Okay, you can turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And as we uh, get started, I want to conduct a little thought experiment. All right? If I told you you have to spend an entire day with one of two people, you get to choose which person, but you have to spend the whole day with, with one of two people. One is an extremely thankful person. The other is the opposite. An extremely unthankful person. Which would you choose? Who would you choose to spend the day with? And why? And just think about it. Now I would guess most of you, probably all of you, would pick the thankful person. There's something more encouraging, more life-giving, could even say more appropriate about being thankful, right? On the other hand, to be around someone who is ungrateful and negative, complaining, uh, that can be taxing, can't it? Draining. So I think we would all pick the thankful person. Let me flip this around on you for a second, because I know in your mind, just like me, I'm sort of thinking of, okay, I can think of ingrates around me, people who are not thankful, and what I experience in the presence of such people. But the reality is, all of us are ungrateful people at times, to varying degrees, isn't that right? I don't think any one of us would say, hey, I'm as as thankful as I should be. Like, I, you know, I'm knocking it out of the park when it comes to gratefulness in my life. Would anybody say that? I don't, I don't think so. We have moments of thankfulness, of course, but we would all say, yeah, well, I would like to have more gratitude in my life. That would be better for me. That would be better for the people around me. We just know there's something appropriate about thankfulness. And yet, there's something about it that's almost unnatural In fact, this topic, this is one of those topics that is important to all of us. And it's it's a really spiritual topic. It it necessitates some spiritual thinking, some thinking beyond just the, the material things of this world. Gratefulness. It's really important. And we're going to look at this text here in Colossians, and it's going to help us to understand... First of all, why it is that we find it so difficult to be thankful. And it's going to help us to understand, I'd say, the reason for thankfulness. We, we could say the reason for thankfulness. We could say, um, and you'll see as we walk through the text here, that there will be various reasons, but they all stem from one main reason. And we'll discover what that is. Let me read to you a few verses here. We're going to be mainly in verses 12 through 14 of Colossians 1. But let me read to you first verses 3 through 5 because we see here that Paul mentions thanks right away. He says in verse 3, we give thanks to God the Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. When he thinks of the Colossians, he has thankfulness in his heart. He realizes they are there. They are who they are. They are believers because of God's grace to them. He's thankful for that. So, so Paul talks about, first of all, his thanks. He gives thanks. And then, when you jump down just a little ways, verses 9 through 14, not only is he giving thanks, but he says that he wants thanks for them. He, he wants them to be thankful. So it says in verses 9 through 14, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, to the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. And here it is, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints so you see that thankfulness is on the heart and mind of Paul as he writes this letter. It's one of many things, as I read just those few verses. There's a lot he's saying here. We could explore many of these different themes. But this theme of thankfulness is really important. Let's give some thought to the reason that we can't seem to be grateful so often. Like, the reason, the core Reason, or we could say the root reason that we have such a hard time being thankful. Paul presupposes it here in Colossians, but the same guy, Paul, in Romans, talked about it in detail in chapter 1. So you can turn there if you want. You don't have to. I'll read it to you. Romans 1, verses 18 through 21. I want you to hear what Paul says about this topic of thankfulness here in Romans 1, where he is describing, and we could say he is diagnosing the human heart. This is Paul basically taking an x-ray or a CAT scan of, of the human heart. This is where he tells us what we are all like. And notice what he says as it relates to this idea of, of gratitude. Verses 18 through 21, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. And then catch this in verse 21. Here it is. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. So he says, one of the root problems... When it comes to mankind, when it comes to mankind in general, when it comes to you and me individually, one of our root problems, God through Paul diagnoses and says, as you're not naturally speaking, you're not thankful. He says, you don't, you don't see me for who I am. You don't assess my value accurately or appropriately. And you're, you're not thankful according to how you should be thankful as a creature who's been given everything by your creator. That, that is the human condition. And Paul goes on in Romans 1 to talk about all these manifestations of unrighteousness, or we could say wrongness. I enjoy talking with all different types of people. I, I get to do that. And 
many times I've been in conversation with someone who's atheist or agnostic, and we've talked about humans and, and what, what we're all like. And, and there's always this point of agreement where we, we can agree that there's something not quite right about us, right? There's something that's wrong with all of us. We can all see that. Well, Paul tells us what's wrong with us. And one of the root problems is our inability to see God for who He really is and our inability to be appropriately thankful. And thus we experience even our ingratitude as something that's dark and plaguing, something that we have often sense of guilt or shame about, something that we know is taxing to other people, and yet we just so often feel stuck because we, we just can't see it any different. We, we evaluate our lives and we say, hey, there, there are some good things and maybe God's been good to me, but he hasn't been good enough to me. Like, I need more. It's just common to the human condition. So Paul talked about it in Romans and he's kind of implying some things about it here in Colossians. This is the reason he's praying for them. He knows this is part of their human condition. And, and, and he knows, biblically speaking, as, as a... Bible scholar, Paul knows something very important about what unfolds from the beginning till now, from the, throughout Scripture until this very day, and that is that unthankfulness is something that plagues every single person. And let me give you some examples. When, when Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were not simultaneously filled with thankfulness and also choosing to eat from that tree, were they? Moses was not filled with gratitude when he murdered the Egyptian or when he struck the rock or when he lashed out against the Israelites. David was not overflowing with gratefulness when he committed adultery with Bathsheba or killed her husband. And on and on the examples go. We could, we could think about today. A, a person is not simultaneously filled with thankfulness and also filled with anxiety. We are not at the same time filled with thankfulness and filled with depression. We, we are not filled with thankfulness and overcome by anger. We are not simultaneously contemplating the goodness of our Creator God and His grace to us and also contemplating suicide or contemplating murder. Underneath all of our manifestations of unrighteousness, sin, brokenness, underneath all of it is our inability to see God for who He is, our inability to be content, and our lack of thankfulness then manifests in all kinds of ways that are grievous to our God and harmful to us and harmful to others. And on some deep level, we all kind of know it. And it is a heart and mind issue. Let me show you here in Colossians how Paul relates this to our thinking to our mindset, to, you could say, the heart, what the Bible calls the heart, the real, the inner you. What you value, what your priorities are, 
how you think, how you interpret your circumstances, how you view the people around you, all those things. He says it has, has to do with how we think, this, this issue of thankfulness, when he's praying for them to be thankful, he begins by saying, hey, you, you need to know some things about your God. And so just notice the language. I want to prove this to you, all right? So if you look at verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice those terms, knowledge. Knowledge of God's will, God's purposes and provisions. We could say it that way. That you would have all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you see those words that have to do with how we think? And he goes on a little farther. He says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing. Notice this. It's like bookends. He says this again. Increasing in the knowledge of God. When it comes to this area of gratefulness in our lives or our lack thereof, It has everything to do with how we see God or how we know God. And he says here, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will. That you would have the spiritual wisdom and understanding. That you would increase in the knowledge of God. And that as a result of that, verse 11, you'd be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. There's something supernatural about it. Thankfulness is a spiritual reality. And now we're going to get into, what, okay, so what? Know what? The mindset of what? What, is it, what am I to know? What is there that I need? Paul's going to, going to reveal to us what it is we need and, and its perspective. And, and so he says, uh, this results in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. And then there are three Manifestations. I'm going to call them three grounds for gratitude. Right? He's kind of revealed to us as we looked at Romans and what we said we can also see indications of here in Colossians. One is that we have this thinking problem. We don't, we don't see God clearly, naturally speaking. That's this root problem. That's what's beneath all of that ingratitude and thankfulness. And now he says, there, there's, a reason, there's a reason to give thanks. And, and if we could say, I'm going to say one word, and then we're going to look at these three grounds for gratitude. The, the word is, is, is the reason is the gospel. Okay, That's the reason. That's the foundational reason to be thankful. If, if we can't think of any other reason, if we look at our lives and like, you know, I just don't know. Everything seems to be going wrong. Marriage isn't going well, or... Kids are fighting all the time, or my body hurts. I can't even move without aches and pains here or there in my body. I mean, whatever. We just can't even see a reason. This is getting us to the bottom and says, hey, there's, there's like the reason to be thankful. And, and here are the three manifestations of gospel truth here, of the grace of God that Paul points us to. First of all, he says, this fa- our Heavenly Father has, one, qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's qualified us. He's qualified the unqualified. There's nothing in us, naturally speaking, that would move toward God or 
that would generate a sincere vertical gratitude. It doesn't come from our natural fallen heart or mind. And, and so we don't, we don't deserve anything from this God whom we've rejected. And yet what Paul is saying here is that despite what we deserved, despite the fact that we are in and of ourselves unqualified, He has qualified us. I mean, so many areas of life, we're trying to qualify ourselves, right? Whether it's on the job, uh, in a relationship, we're trying to show ourselves to be worthy, prove ourselves, prove our ability, prove that we have value, prove that we can make the cut. But when it comes to these core spiritual realities, God says, hey, the bad news is, left to yourself, there is nothing that reaches for me or is grateful to me. Maybe a little moments of gratefulness here and there, but, but in terms of what should be, it's just not there. The good news is I've qualified you nevertheless. I've given you nevertheless absolutely everything. You have this inheritance. You share in the inheritance of the saints in light. In our twisted, perverted thinking of God and interpretation of our circumstances that so often plagues us with negativity it's always related to just feeling like we need more, or we need people to be more for us, or circumstances to be more for us, or life to, life to hand us better treats and trinkets or whatever. But, but he says, hey, look, um, God's given you an inheritance that's far more valuable than anything in this world, and he's qualified you for it. In fact, and, and uh, Brian alluded to this earlier, I mean, think about inheritance. I mean, I, as a counselor, I see this, and it's sad to see, but people end up squabbling, fighting over the inheritance pretty frequently. It's not rare. Fighting over the inheritance. And, and there are certain people, you ever heard of someone being written out of a will? Like they were in it, and then, oh, you're out. This is an inheritance. You, you will never be written out of this will. Do you know why? Because it's not dependent upon your merit in any way, shape, or form. Christ is the heir of all things. And he says that you're in him and with him, in him, in that union. You have everything. It's all yours. Not qualified, but yet given this inheritance. And there's a ton we could say about the nature of that inheritance. We, we, we think of value. We think of even uh, monetary categories and material categories. But this has to do with like the most important things, namely a reconciled relationship with our Creator. And, and we'll see as we go along there's a little more to that. So, so first of all, the first, we could say, ground of gratitude here is that God qualified us. Secondly, God rescued us. It says he, he rescued us from the domain of darkness there in verse 13. This word rescued, in the context, you might think of, well, you're kind of in one bad place and God puts you in a good place. But the term has the connotation of he, he rescued you and brought you to himself. It's like if you're drowning in the water and someone reaches out of a boat and they pull you into the boat, they pull you up to themselves. God pulls us up to himself he says, if I leave you, all you will have is distorted, unrighteous, incorrect thinking. But I love you, and I'm coming for you, and I'm going to bring you to myself. And remember Romans 1, I referenced it when we started our service. Paul wants to preach the gospel because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. He says, hey, you don't know who I am. You don't see rightly who I am, so I'm bringing you to myself. I'm going to show you who I am. 
He rescued us. He pulled us to Himself. It says and he, he rescued us from, you see it there, the domain of darkness. In some ways, that word domain is helpful. In some ways, a little bit unhelpful because, again, it makes you think of a place, right? Like a location. But the domain word is actually the word for power or authority. It's God saying, look, you're enslaved to a certain authority. And you know what it is? It goes back to the very beginning. It's the authority of what we could call autonomy, of self. What Adam and Eve chose was, hey, I want to be like God. Same. We've been in that same state of mind ever since, naturally speaking. And God says, I'm here to rescue you from that false sense of authority, from that tyranny of autonomy. From the blinders and the lies of your own perspective. It was Mark Twain who said, it's not what we don't know that gets us into so much trouble. It's what we're sure of that just ain't so. There's a, there's a, a TED Talk. I, I watched these TED Talks. Maybe some of you have seen them on YouTube. There was one not long ago called uh, On Being Wrong. And the speaker asked this question. This is fascinating. The speaker asked this question. What does it feel like to be wrong? And then solicited feedback from the audience. And people said, ah, it feels like shame. It feels embarrassing. It makes me want to run and hide. They said things like that. And she says, no, on the contrary. Do you know what it feels like to be wrong? She said, it turns out it feels exactly the same as what it feels like to be right. Meaning, until something awakens you to the fact that you're wrong, it often feels like, ah, you're right. Why do I bring that up? Here's why. Part of our sinful condition that God is rescuing us from is that we just assume that we see things clearly. We Even in our relationship with God, we assume that there's like this um, negotiation taking place in which we're just going to kind of, you know, work with him and try to get life to be the way we want it to be. And uh, as anyone here would say, yeah, it's everything I wanted it to be, I don't think anyone... Uh, don't raise your hand because we'll all immediately be jealous if you raise your hand. So don't do that. But we know it's not. So, so we bump into these things. We're trying to almost negotiate with, with God or cut a deal with him. Well, we're, we're learning here what Paul is teaching us and what you, uh, under Pastor Rob's teaching in Romans, what you've been seeing is, hey, God is, is far above any ability for us to just sort of manipulate. And Well, what, what Paul is, is getting at here is that we desperately need God to save us from our own perspective. Even the things that we treasure and value and chase, like he has to help us see differently. Because we so often trust in our own perspective. And, and that, by the way, is a big part of why we just can't seem to be grateful so frequently, because when we look at our lives, we say, well, again, okay, it's good, but it's, it's not good enough. Or I'm thankful for the spouse God gave me, but only, if only she could be more in this way or that way. If only he could be more in this way or that way. And that's not to downplay the realities of a broken marriage, which people can experience to extreme degrees. I don't mean to downplay it. I'm just saying, along with it, that even in the suffering of life, even in the inevitable, inescapable brokenness and difficulties of life, still... There's a God 
to whom to be thankful, and yet we just struggle. Um, and so he says here, hey, qualified you, rescued you, brought you to myself, rescued you from the domain of darkness, the darkness of, of your own thinking even, of your own blinders. And then it says, thirdly, the third ground for gratitude here, he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You see this matter of authority again? Hey, there's another king. And the good news is, and this is almost hard even as I say it, it's hard to hear it as good news. The good news is, I'm not king. And you're not king or queen, as the case may be. (laughs) The good news is, he's the king. And he sees clearly. And he knows exactly what we need. And he takes better care of you than you take of yourself. He takes better care of you than your thoughts take of you. Does that make sense? When we find ourselves plagued by guilt or shame or greed or fear or whatever, that's us. That's our mindset. He comes to rescue, to open our eyes, to see who our Creator God is and what He's like and His provisions for us to include and especially the provisions for us of this invincible safety, this Security we have in Jesus such that even if the worst comes for us, even when our earthly body breaks down and gives in and dies, still we have everything. That's when we go home. That's what we were talking about earlier. That's why we can rejoice when Brian's dad goes home or my friend Rob went home last week. There's this inheritance. There's this kingship of Jesus who takes care of his people. And then very specific here, and the last thing I want to point out is he says something regarding this kingdom of Christ and our citizenship in it and our being under the authority of Jesus, the safest place for us to be. He says, in whom we have redemption, which he here equates to the forgiveness of sins. Redemption, you could think of the idea of being set free. Like a price is paid and a slave is set free. That's the idea of redemption. And he equates it here to the forgiveness of sins. To know that God forgives you. You want an amazing, like a ground for gratitude? Like a real foundational reason for gratitude? Here's one. God forgives us for all our ingratitude. Here's one. Let this blow your mind for a second. I I hear it. I'll put it in real concrete terms. I hear myself just recently, we moved from Washington to here. In Washington, I don't know if you've heard, but it rains all the time. We moved here like over a month ago. I don't think it's rained once since we've been here. So there it was like, it's too rainy, it's too wet, it's too damp. Here it's too dry, it's too hot. It's always too something, isn't it for us? It's always too something. Let this blow your mind. God says, in Christ, he views you as never uttering that complaint. As always being 100%, like, here's a big word, effusively thankful. Let that blow your mind. Is that amazing? It's a good news of a provision that's been made for you. It's like, whoa, that, like if, if the domain of darkness is I'm stuck in my own perspective, I'm stuck in this dark place by myself. You know what the crack in the door that lets the ray of light into that room is? Jesus is for you and he loves you even at your worst, even at your most ungrateful point. That's what you call the beginning of gratitude. 
The beginning of a perspective shift that says, wait a minute, maybe I got it all wrong. Maybe I have a ton to be thankful for. Maybe my perspective of whatever it is, my marriage, my physical condition, my job, the state I live in, the weather outside, whatever. Maybe I've got a ton to be thankful for. We have a God who rescues us and he says, your sins are forgiven. Washed away. Let go, gone. I mean, you can't forgive yourself in a sense for your own. Like you're beating yourself up pretty regularly, I would guess. And if you're not beating yourself up, you're beating someone else up over their sin. That's earth, isn't it? Here's a God who says, hey, you guys are in that fray down there. Just hear me say there's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Mercy. Mercy on us. It's pretty amazing. God, the one we've offended the most, and yet we think of the least, and says he forgives us. There is grace for ingrates. <laughs> so, Paul has given us some reasons here. If we kind of put it all together, we could say like the reason, the gospel reason for gratitude, the ground of, of gratitude. As we start to wrap things up here, I just ask you to think a little bit more. I could be thankful if not for blank. What is, what is in the blank for you? I mean, I could be thankful if not for, and it may be that it's like many blanks, but what is that thing or what are those things in life? Is it marriage struggles, financial struggles, physical struggles? You say, hey, look, the traffic's bad, my body hurts. My husband's insensitive and angry all the time. My wife nags me. My coworker just got a raise and I didn't. I mean, what is it? Not to downplay the suffering of this world because Jesus said in this world you'll have trouble and he, he understands that. He has mercy on that. But he also wants to give us a different perspective of all that we have in him. This amazing, infinitely valuable reward of knowing our God through Christ, knowing his love, knowing his forgiveness, knowing that even to be absent from the body is to be present with him. So I want to tell you in closing about my friend, uh, and I'm going to try to get through this, my friend Rob Helbig, who uh, passed away last week. Known him for close to 20 years. And... One of my best friends in this world is, is his son-in-law, uh, who's my co-pastor back there in Washington, Don Brewer. So I was around his father-in-law, Rob, all the time. And Rob was a, a generous, gentle, gracious guy. And for the last 15 years of his life, Rob battled with Parkinson's disease. And I watched a man who was uh, previously strong and very capable over time, lose many of his abilities, even toward the end, his, his mental abilities. He had a charter fishing boat, and, and almost yearly, uh, he would invite me to go out on his boat, and I grew up fishing. My dad's here. He, we'd go fishing for, like, little tiny, I don't know, sunfish, and we just threw them back, and 
I always found that boring. No offense, Dad, you kind of knew that at the time, but I always found it boring. But out there in Washington, when Rob would take us on the Pacific, you're fishing for like king salmon and lingcod and halibut. And so we'd go out, and it was so enjoyable. It's such good memories. And the last few times I met, I, I went, I, I just remember Rob would be, even though he's the one in charge, he'd be there serving everybody, helping with, you know, baiting hooks and, you know, cutting lines that needed to be cut and all the things. And I, and I would just see him and his hands would be shaking and he'd be uh, just continuing to serve people and bait the hooks. And, and I remember thinking, God, why don't, um, especially as it got bad the last few years, like, why don't you just take him home? Why would you let this go on for so long? And God did. He let it go on a long time. And last week, he took him home. The suffering's gone. And so look, at times in life, you know, you're not going to be able to just say, oh yeah, thank you, God, this is great. No, sometimes things are excruciating. And God has mercy on you and understands that. And when you're stuck in that dark place of, I, I just, I'm just miserable in this resentment, and I just can't be thankful, and I just wish things could be different. I just hope you can hear the good news, God's voice saying, I love you, I forgive you, you belong to me, and soon you're coming home, and it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. And then <laughs> once we get home, and we're there forever and ever and ever, can you imagine this? Nothing but gratitude at every moment. And no more sin. And no more darkness. And no more shame. And no more hate. Made righteous in him completely, finally, experientially at home. It's good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we've had in Colossians 1 this morning. These words lift us up and point us beyond ourselves and beyond this fallen, broken world. God, we come to you this morning with our hearts that are at times grateful. We can see little glimpses, but still plagued by that fallen part of our hearts and minds that just wants more. It doesn't believe that you've been good or that you've been good enough. We confess to you that our, our perspective of things is so often warped and twisted. And we thank you that you have graciously determined to rescue us, to show us Christ, to invite us to behold your son dying for us, taking upon himself our curse and our shame for all of our ingratitude and granting to us in him status of sonship. We are sons and daughters, that we are forgiven and loved, that we have an inheritance that we cannot forfeit. That even when we doubt, even when we suffer, even when there's not one ounce of ability to conjure up a thankful thought, to know that you forgive us and that you view us in Christ as 100% thankful, and that you cherish us and love us, and that 
you're even excited for the day that we all get to be home. And so we praise you for the gift of salvation. We praise you for your word and how clearly it communicates to us. And we pray that we would be receptive to your, your voice of truth. That we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.